This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 722, flashback to November the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 722. It's our flashback episode to the month of November 2009. Originally, this episode was going to be a conversation with Ben Rabb, but due to my own illness, uh, that interview had to be postponed a couple of weeks, so that'll be probably be coming out late November, possibly even early uh, December. At the moment, we have some good stuff planned for Comic Shenanigans in the month of November and December. I'm going to be sitting down with Mark Wade and Brian Augustine, at least that's currently the plan, uh, soon to talk about their work on Archie 1941, as well as Archie 19. 1955, which is a currently running miniseries, uh, as well as just their collaboration in general. Obviously, they first started working together back on The Flash uh, way back when, uh, back when Mark Wade was really starting to uh, make a name for himself and really kind of uh, make Wally West's Flash book kind of appointment of reading uh, before Jeff Johns came on and kept that going. Um, but he definitely kind of amped up Wally West, introduced the Speed Force. Um, Mark Wade's kind of... Uh, contributions to the Flash mythos is huge and far-ranging. Um, so that'll be a conversation happening hopefully soon. Uh, at the moment, fingers crossed, I'm supposed to talk with um, uh, legendary creator Marv Wolfman. I'm very excited about that. If all goes according to plan, that'll actually be an episode that'll come out uh, relatively soon. Um, yeah, and that, that should be a great one. I'm really excited about that one. Um, so I'm really excited to, to share that. Um, but uh, in the meantime, you have this episode, and then you're going to have another one of these uh, episodes, and then uh, we'll move into the interviews. Uh, so that'll be probably November, I want to say, trying to do the math in my head, and right now math isn't working out so well. I think that'll be like the 15th of November will be when you get that first um, you know, kind of interview episode with one either the Mark Wade or the Marv Wolfman episode. Um, so I'm excited to share that once they occur and then once I'm actually able to present them. Uh, but at the moment, at least they're supposed to occur. And then again, uh, the Ben Rabb conversation is going to be postponed. He wrote a lot of comics in the 90s, but kind of came up in Marvel editorial during the 90s, and I'm really excited to talk to him about that. So that'll be on a future episode as well. Today's episode, so I was kind of thinking, okay, so the Ben Rabb interview, my totally, because I, of my own illness and not feeling well, had to postpone it. So what could I do an episode today? I'm Unfortunately, I don't have a huge amount of time. I'm prepping for my, my son is six years old, going away to Beaver Scouts camp for a weekend. And then not long after that, I am taking off and going to the Dominican for a week. Um, so I was racking my brain. What episode do I do? And I kind of thought, you know what? Let, let's try this. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is we're going to be talking about releases from Marvel. Uh, so not Marvel. Uh, any releases that came out in November 2009. So it's just kind of thinking, okay, we're, we're into books you know, we're, we're looking at books that are coming out in November 2019. Let's go back. What kind of highlights for cover-dated books from November 2009 even kind of piqued my interest? So I looked at one of my favorite sites, which I'm so upset that it's going to be shutting down or at least changing hugely in terms of its form and function. It's comicbookdb.com. I don't know how I'm going to do my research for my interviews without it. It's just so fantastic. It's a fantastic database of all the comics someone's worked on, and you can even sort it by chronological, uh, which is a big part of what I do. So it will make my research uh, process obviously be a little bit harder. And I find sometimes I'm able to find the hidden gems or the, the stuff that kind of gets sandwiched into someone else's 
other works because of being able to look at this comprehensive list. So I'm really sad that this website appears to be going away or at least having a major rehaul. And I'm, I'm really kind of nervous about it because I loved it so much. Um, and I'm really bummed about it. But anyways, I took a, a look through books that were cover dated November 2009. And I'll have a quick conversation about each one. Some of them I'll have a little bit more to say, but just wanted to kind of mention them. And for me, the first thing I noticed, I was actually, I usually go alphabetical. This time I started alphabetical at the at the back end. So I came at kind of W first. And I noticed, and this kind of blew my mind. I, I cannot believe it's been 10 years. And yet I feel like Wizard Comics used to be that thing, or sorry, Wizard Magazine used to be that thing that everyone kind of knew about. It was it was the industry magazine. Now, I came of age in comics in the early 90s. So when I kind of came in, Wizard was already a thing. So it was only later I realized that it was really not that old at that point. But Wizard was kind of like the hot thing. And it had the price guides. And it had, you know, uh, people would have uh, fan casting for upcoming potential movie projects. Like it was it's kind of like a lot of what the Internet does in terms of clickbaity stuff, um, but in magazine format. It's kind of weird to think of it that way. But if you look at like a lot of it, it was slightly juvenile at times, but definitely like sensationalistic about grabbing your attention and kind of promoting books and, you know, as a kid, I didn't realize it was kind of a puppet of the different publishers, which became more and more as I think the magazine went on in terms of being able to prop up certain things and you know be more used as a as a marketing tool. I didn't know that as a kid. I didn't think of it that way. Anyways, why did I bring this up? So apparently in November 2009, Wizard 217, it was still being published. 2009? That blows my mind. Like I became big into like kind of um, – following a lot of comic book news, et cetera, probably early 2000s. That's back when I was had my own internet connection. Like, my first time having my own internet connection would have been, I want to say, September 2002. I started university. Now I have my own email. You know, I have a... You know, I, I got a... In Canada, we're... There's really kind of two major providers. There's Rogers and there's well, at least in Toronto, there's Rogers Media and then there's like Bell Media, and obviously there's others too. But that was where I got my first like kind of I'm going to call it a big boy uh, email address because up until then I had like Flash underscore Thompson at Hotmail dot com. I don't even know if it works anymore. I haven't checked it in a long time. Uh, I think it's hooked up to like my PlayStation account or something crazy because it's been because it I had that account probably since like 1997, so it's been like 22 years. Uh, but I needed like an account with my own name that I could actually use for like emails um, to like people who were going to need to talk to me and, and not have some weird name that's actually a name of a combo character. Um, so this was my anyways. I don't know why I digress, but I remember at that time. Uh, being really excited about having an you know an email address, and then two years later, I started working for a comic book uh, for, um, site and and kind of messaging forum. It was uh, comicstream.com. I loved it. I loved loved doing it. Loved writing reviews. It was I got really big into it in the summer two thousand four, and I worked there probably till two thousand nine. So it was five years. Anyways, like. It's just crazy because during that period, like Newsarama, CBR, or Pop Culture Shock, or whatever it was at the time, you had all these websites kind of jostling. And at the time, it was still early on that there was, it felt like there was a lot more. There's like Silver Bullet Comics, The Fourth Rail, all these different like review sites, et cetera, and kind of supplanting the need for physical media. So it's kind of crazy that Wizard survived even. I mean, I didn't check to see when Wizard Magazine actually stopped being published, but 2009 kind of blew my mind. I think I stopped having a subscription probably around 2005 or 2006. I had a brief period where I would get a subscription mainly because there was exclusive um, X-Men sorry not X-Men uh, exclusive Heroclix figures that you could get by getting a subscription and that was kind of the only reason I got it I still liked the magazine but I mean I was probably caring about it a little less and less every year or every month I should say and it was, just blew my mind looking at this and saying Wizard was still being published 10 years ago I just it feels so much longer than that since there's been a magazine like that it's funny that recently 
I had heard about it for years, but the Back Issue magazine, I only recently kind of truly discovered it for myself. I was at my local comic book shop and they had an issue and I bought it and I, I freaking devoured that thing. I loved it. It was a, an issue on alternate realities and like what ifs and elseworlds and it was totally up my alley. And I realized like this is this is kind of like the perfect magazine that I would like because it's all about continuity, uh, not continuity, it's all about comic book history, which I love reading about comic book history and all the nooks and crannies and, and you know, that's part of what I love about the interviews that I do for the show. So anyways, because I live in Canada, it's almost impossible to get them, and I haven't had any luck trying to get them through the store. I don't know how they even got that one issue, but now it seems like they never get them or whatever. Um, so I'm a little bit bummed about that. So I looked into, like, how can I order them, and I was like, oh, I'll get a subscription. And then I think I worked it out, and, like, in Canadian dollars, it would, take, it would cost me basically $22 per issue in order to get the, a subscription. And I'm like, I, I don't think I like the magazine enough to spend $22. It's like an $8 magazine. I'll pay $8. I'll pay $10, you know? I don't know if I can pay $22. $22. That seems like too much. Uh, in my recent trip to uh, Disney World back in August, um, I bought a bunch of back issues of Back Issue Magazine, which is kind of funny to say, and I had them all shipped there because it was still relatively cheaper because I was just doing it through, like, whatever. Priority mail in the States is not even close to what it costs to get anything across the border uh, up into Canada. So um, super bummed to not have that magazine. My wife's like, oh, we should get one of those services where you get, like, a P.O. box near the border and you can go get your stuff delivered there. And I'm like, yeah, one of these days maybe, but... Uh, um, anyways, I love that magazine. So I do like some print media, and I like that one in particular because that one is, you know, just in my wheelhouse. It's it's all about comic book history, and it's so well researched, and it's so fascinating. Uh, whereas Wizard Magazine, especially near the end, I would imagine, because again, I don't know if I was still reading at this point, uh, had you know started to become more a little fluffier, and, and I, they had a bunch of redesigns that that made the book, sorry, the magazine uh, smaller and smaller, and didn't. It used to have like a nice spine and that you could kind of at least put them all on your bookshelf and you have nice spines that would kind of line up and I think they kind of went away with the square bound spine and I don't know that magazine just kind of went away and uh, I'm shocked that it was still I can't believe I'm still talking about Wizard um, anyway next up uh, Wolverine Gambit the victims uh, storyline by uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale was actually published as the Marvel premier hardcover classic back when that line was still around uh, it's 10 years ago I have that on my shelf I was so excited that that was being republished because I'd always heard about it and I think I'd only read like an issue or two back in the day so I was really excited to be able to buy it uh, speaking of Wolverine now this does blow my mind because it just feels like it's only it's been ten years. It somehow doesn't feel long enough. Um, the Old Man Logan Giant Size Number One issue, which is the end of the original Old Man Logan story by McNiven and Mark Miller, uh, came out in uh, it was cover dated uh, November 2019. I'm oh, sorry, 2009, and that's crazy to me. And it's been ten years. In October 2019, they finally killed off that version of the character uh, in the Dead Man Logan series, and so you know. Which I, I thought that it had been around long enough, and then like Deadman Logan was ran for like a year, because I or at least twelve issues. I don't know if it is actually coming out monthly, but uh, anywhere from a six months to a year, depending on the shipping schedule. Plus, they had the Old Man Logan book. Plus, they had the Old Man Logan um, kind of miniseries that was part of Secret Wars, which was a few years ago now. So it just kind of blew my mind that you had all these stories bringing that character back, and it had already felt like it had been a while since the original happened. But really. The years worth of those stories, like I'd say, like we've had the character around for what four or five years now, and yet that was only like four or five years after the original story ended. Like I just felt like there had been more time, but apparently I'm sorely mistaken. Um, also, in November two thousand nine, Thor six hundred three by JMS. That's right, JMS was still working on Thor at this point. Uh, I think it was nearing completion at that point um, to his run. But again, it that feels like a long time ago, and I think part of it's because. 
we have so many shifts in continuity, not in continuity, in uh, status quo, especially at Marvel, especially for a period there where they felt like they were changing every year or two and massive status quo shifts too, not even like little ones. And then we had all the different publishing initiatives that were happening every year, like Marvel Now, well, new Marvel Now, Marvel Now Plus, I don't know even what it was called after Marvel Refresh, Marvel you know, um, fresh start or whatever, all these things. And so that just makes it feel like it's been like decades since some of the stuff, but it really hasn't been that long. Like if you think about it, 10 years ago, JMS is still working on Thor. A lot of stuff had to happen with Thor before Jason Aaron even gets on it, but maybe not because I guess Jason Aaron got on it in what, 2012, which is again, crazy to me that there was three years between JMS not being done yet. And Jason Aaron coming into totally kicking over everything and kind of, doing his own big epic like it just boggles my mind uh another one spider woman number one launching by bendis and malev that just feels so long ago because remember there was like emotion comics for that like i just feel like 10 years is such a long period of time like i'm turning 36 this year so 10 years is still pretty significant piece of my life and yet a lot of these books just feel like they're so much older than that and i don't know what that means for how i perceive time or just how fast comic books shift and change these days uh spider-man the clone saga number one this was the miniseries that was kind of supposed to be based on the original notes that by defalco Mackey and others and to kind of represent what the clone saga could or should have been and obviously it felt a little bit tweaked uh, you know based on some other things that ended up di- happening in continuity uh that actually happened in the 616 and kind of putting them into this miniseries as well and it was kind of a weird ending to it too because it kind of made it look like they could come back to that world but they never did uh it's by defalco mackie and todd knock i really enjoy it i recommend picking it up it was it was a it was a fun yarn i definitely enjoyed it um again speaking of like how long has it been uh secret warriors number eight that was a, sh- a series that went what past 25 issues it was written by jonathan hickman and again it's been 10 years since that issue so that series still had a year and a half left before it was over and then you had hickman coming on and doing like avengers for years and secret wars like all this stuff and then somehow that was 10 years ago crazy like he's been a preeminent name in comics but if maybe it has only been 10 or so years since he was really kind of in hitting the mainstream like i only came into contact with his name probably originally because of his work on secret warriors and i think at the exact same time he was doing fantastic four uh dark rain um which is a brilliant series which our work by sean chen and it was sean chen that brought me into picking up that book it wasn't jonathan eggman i didn't know who jonathan eggman was hell when secret warriors first started it wasn't the first arc co-plotted by brian michael bendis like what she did with a few people kind of getting people started and then kind of pushing them on their own went to the training wheels came off and god did the training wheels come off i feel like now you have hickman is kind of taking on the mentorship role and starting some of these new dawn of x books and then kind of letting the creators take uh, take over from there uh secret six number 13 love this book i feel like this book went on for what, three or four years um and i guess it ended in 2011 so this would have been two years before it ended uh, because of flashpoint but that was such a, a gem of a book uh you don't come across a special a book like that by uh, Gail Simone and usually by Dale Eaglesham. The, those types of books come by only once in a while. Like truly special. Uh, Catman became a thing. Like there was a period where everyone loved Catman and Bane was really good in it and he had this amazing sense of honor and it felt like it really brought him into a new place um, that w- made sense for the character but also p- pushed him in new directions and like the last issue of that series still really hits for me. Like seeing how Bane kind of has everyone go up uh, in a flurry and 
all, all these villains against everyone, all the heroes of the DC universe, and they're all amped up in Venom, and it's just, anyways, it's just amazing. Anyways, again, that was still coming out. Uh, Punisher Noir had its second issue, so that was again, there was a lot of Noir books back in the day, and this was one of them. There was also Luke Cage Noir. Um, 2009 also saw issue 29 of Nova, so it wasn't that far away from ending. I think it ended in the mid-30s. Um, and not long after, you kind of had the end of that whole cosmic run that was like, what, two, three, four years? But that cosmic run and that revitalization, especially of the co- of the Gardens of the Galaxy, is obviously what eventually leads to having a movie based on the Gardens of the Galaxy. If it was not for the DNA books, I don't think you can make a case that you would ever have seen the Gardens of the Galaxy movie we saw. Those characters just would never have combined with each other um if not for and even like the way we we uh, we uh we view groot and you know the, the i am groot that didn't even happen in annihilation conquest uh that happened in the gardens of the galaxy book that came after it because previously you just had Groot was act like just talking and now he was not and it was anyways that book just revitalized everything but nova was such a key component of that whole era and, and one i i sorely miss and I, I just love that version of Richard Ryder and Richard Ryder has just never been the same I would say a lot of those cosmic areas just haven't been the same and I never was a big fan of how I felt that Bendis kind of rough, run, ran roughshod over the cosmic universe in a way that didn't really take into account continuity and how it all actually works whereas the DNA, DNA stuff felt like it really laid track, it respected what came before it and really set things up for what their version of the cosmic universe was going to be and I just loved it uh, talking about um, very Infamous books yet. Justice League Cry for Justice, number three. This book did very bad things to Ray Harper, and a lot of people were not happy with it. And uh, I guess it's one of the. Roy Harper's probably one of the interesting characters who came out of the New 52 being very different, but people still kind of vibing on it and liking it and still doing interesting things with the character. And again, we're probably more respectful than this stuff. Um, I still don't like the kind of the backwards baseball cap kind of idea. And he's dead now anyway. Isn't he dead? Still dead? can't remember um but yeah this is cry for justice that was people definitely had a cry for justice after this series was over um invincible iron man the 17th this is the second last issue of uh the second major arc of matt fractions run invincible iron man which i feel like just kind of gets forgotten um it was a really amazing run it was very long and uh really did a lot of cool stuff and felt like it had a, a big payoff at the end but also felt like at times was running a little the issues weren't pushing the narrative along enough and it was easy to kind of get lost but in the first year and a half it was so on point and so concise and really thrilling and you, you felt like you're having quite an adventure as you had you know Iron Man on the run uh, and this was again right near the end of that first year and a half which was great um, something I forgot you have Exiles number 6 this is the Jeff Parker run which doesn't get mentioned either after you had the end of New Exiles by Claremont they tried to bring back the Exiles concept with Jeff Parker and I think they did a fun job but it just wasn't resonating or it wasn't latching on fast enough and it got cancelled I think after six issues I could be wrong but it did not last very long um trade paperback wise you had Dark Rain Electra come out this particular month love that book by Zeb Wells um it's so gorgeous uh, I believe it's Clay Man, right? Uh, could be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure it's Clay Man. Um, but it's an absolutely fantastic book, great story. Um, still one of my favorite Electra stories. There's just something so so exciting and thrilling about it. Uh, speaking of, this is the time of Dark Rain. You had Dark Rain. I'm going to say Dark Rain once, and then every book I'm mentioning had the Dark Rain uh, prefix to it. So you had Dark Rain Lethal Legion, Made Men, The Hood, 
and then you had the list uh, one shot. So it was Dark Reign the list, and you had Avengers, Daredevil, X Men, and then you also had the uh, Dark Reign Sinister Spider Man series uh, having issues and issues of Dark Reign Young Avengers and Zodiac. Uh, so this was the era of Dark Reign where it kind of took over every all these different related miniseries. And I would say a lot of these are actually fairly enjoyable, um, telling interesting stories in that period, especially like the Sinister Spider Man. Uh, you had the Daredevil Noir hardcover came out. I love Daredevil, Daredevil Noir. I'm pretty sure I've talked about it on the show before. Yes, I definitely did because I talked to the writer of it uh, not long after. Fantastic book. Uh, really love the hardcover and I proudly put that on my shelf. Um, this was the era of uh, Ed Brubaker on Cap America. It's 10 years ago and he was still like kind of not in the middle of it, but you know, you, Cap America, uh, Steve Rogers hadn't come back yet. You had Cap America 49, you had Cap America Reborn number 3 come out this particular month. Uh, speaking of things that feel like so long ago, you had Booster Gold 24. Love that book. This is back when Jurgens was both writing and illustrating it. You had Blackest Night number 3. That's right, Blackest Night. That was 10 years ago. Crazy. Uh, you had Blackest Night Batman, Blackest Night Superman, Blackest Night Titans. I love Blackest Night. Um, I think at the time I was a little soured on it because I feel like maybe it didn't reach the heights of Sinestro Core War, which is fair. It didn't. Um, and it definitely became a huge thing and didn't need to be. Maybe not. But I still enjoyed it overall. And especially in hindsight, um, I miss having coherent events like this at DC that really felt like they, they grabbed you. Uh, you had uh, Batman Widening Geyer, which I believe is a Kevin, uh, was one of Kevin Smith's Batman-written books. You had, uh, let's see, what else you had? Uh, Batman and Robin number four. That's right, Grant Morrison still writing Batman at this point. Uh, so you had Dick Grayson as Batman and still was relatively new in the role, which is kind of crazy too because how long has he been back as Nightwing? A long time. And like he was back as Nightwing before you even had the New 52 and then the New 52 happened in 2011. This is only, you know, just under two years before. And then Amazing Spider-Man, you were back in the 600s. Now to put that in context, in legacy numbering wise, I think we're at like 834, 835. And this was back when it was 604 and and uh, you had four issues actually came out this month. Not the regular three at this point. Actually four. And then you also had Amazing Spider-Man Presents Anti-Venom. New Ways to Live. Um, which was back when Anti-Venom was a thing. Yeah. I don't remember it that well either. And that was November 2009. Obviously there was like a thousand books came out that month. And I probably will never be able to do an episode like this without comicbookdb.com. Because uh, I won't have such a comprehensive list of both DC and Marvel. Not to mention image books. It just... I didn't really notice it and really jumped off uh, the page for me in terms of what came out this particular month. But uh, this this was November 2009. It was 10 years ago. Craziness. Um, makes me feel old. Because um, <laughs> it's just kind of crazy. Anyways, thanks for listening to this episode. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye.